when you get there to think, do I belong here? What am I doing here? More now. Totally out of my own future. But you quickly learn that when you start to have conversations with people, that you've got something in common. I wanted to make sure there's still a future, so all the trails still. I like the idea of taking that first step. I have this idea that the kids these days need to do X, you know, or this uh, one kid in my class can't do Z, and I'm going to make a whole course to make sure it's easy. Uh, whether you're taking this Welcome to EdTrex Rewind. All right, here we are. Another episode of the EdTrex Podcast. I'm Quinn Henderson. And I'm Matt Winters. It's great to have you back. Great to have you listening yeah we appreciate you listening. yeah we do um so so what are we talking about this week there's a lot we had a lot on our list there's always so much to talk about we're in education matt so we could go on for days yeah. and days and days but we're going to limit it to right around 20 25 minutes for our listeners sake so <laughs> good review of our podcasting like mojo there right um let's start with this so uh you've been in toronto recently yes i have a couple for times. future design school uh-huh You've been talking to a couple of the different school boards there. Yes. Let's, let's start there. Like, how's that been for you? Well, you know, it's been a really eye-opening experience, enlightening, um, really inspiring, if you look at it. And, you know, you and I, passionate about education, you know, and when you get a chance to, to learn and see how things are in another school or school district, you know, you get to kind of reflect on how that compares to what you do and what you already know and where you might have opportunities to grow. And so I've had the opportunity to visit schools within the Toronto area. And first of all, they have a lot of challenges that we have, right? Yeah. So education, I feel like, is quite universal. And you still come across really passionate educators and people that really want to make a difference and move it forward, but same political obstacles. Um, but you learn about whole new school systems. They have totally different approaches. Um, the size of the school board uh, within Toronto was like overwhelming. There was a time we walked into the uh, Toronto District School Board. I think, it, yeah, that's right. Um, but just one of their district offices, for example, we walk in and it was like this this giant building, and you look up and there's floor after floor after floor, <laughs> and you're like, okay, we want the, the the digital learning team. Okay, that's take the elevator to this floor, which which is much larger than we we have here. So just comprehending the size, and I started to think even. Okay, how does that, that size of that school board, how does that affect how everything happens? And I started to wonder, too, is, you know, you walk kind of through this maze of cubicles, is how much does really one person know about what another person is doing and so on, right? Yeah. I mean, and I, I had no, no information and I haven't worked with them. They might be really efficient, I don't know, or they might not be, yeah. right? So you start to think about all of those dynamics. But, you know, going from schools, from independent to public and... And really, even all of the choices of where you can send your kid to school, even in just like the Toronto area, for example, was just kind of mind-blowing. So what's your takeaway? Like, um, how do these schools, like, where's the intersection? What do you think? What are they doing well? Well, I, I, th- I think they're doing a lot of things well. Right. Um, and one of the things that I, I think that they're doing well is they have a lot of the right people in the right place. The conversations that we had... Or, you know, how do we prepare students for the future? And when we had those conversations with people, they really responded to, to that. And they were like, yes, that's what we need for our students. That's what we need for our students. So their focus on the students, I think, was really important. And their understanding of that we're preparing these students for a future that we have no idea what it will be like, I think, 
that was really good. Um, so, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just meeting those people mm-hmm. and connecting with the passion. I think one of the things that they have is, is passion. Um, so I think that carries through, but they have obstacles similar to us. And those are like usually government related and funding related. And so they have that same frustration of like, I know what we need to do. I know what will make a difference. I know we need to invest in this area, but we don't have the money or we got to be more creative about it. Or how do we bring this to students in another way? So I guess that's one thing that I saw that I felt like was probably a little more ahead of what we've experienced is that they had a mindset that was saying, we have this challenge, but we're going to find a way to do it. Yeah. Rather than it being really just a problem and they're just dealing with it, they're going to find a way to try and move forward anyway, regardless of the restrictions they have with a change in government and policy. Yeah. And so I think that, that I would have to rate my experience there, that you know, education there, they're slightly more optimistic that's good. Um, than, than maybe the approach that we're taking here. And that's kind of what my experience has been seeing, because, you know, I, I travel a lot, I go mm-hmm. to different places, and over the last couple of years, I've been able to experience schools in all over the country, but also in Japan, and it's it's interesting to go to those different schools or and, and visit and meet the different teachers and things like that. It seems like there's a lot of optimism around the world, and it's it's that old adage of, like, every school's different, yet every school is the same. Mm-hmm. Like, we all, we all face the same challenges. And that's where pedagogy comes in. That's where curriculum design, technology, integration, those sorts of things come into play. But then also, you know, where we're at and different levels of how we're feeling about those challenges can really make the difference between, uh, uh, you know, going back to our last episode, apathetic teachers Mm -hmm. or fully fledged, excited, like engaged teachers. Right. It's what you do with those challenges that are in front of you. And and mostly we're like, oh, I just got to deal with it. Those are the challenges. That feels like the mentality that we've experienced a lot. But when we've stepped outside, people are like, okay, that's a challenge. But how do we still, how are we going to, you know, that challenge aside, create kind of an opportunity out of it and make the most of what we have? So question for you, and this is just like something that I actually don't know, is the Canadian system of education based on the British system where it's like they're done 16 and they go into college or university or trades uh, show, or are they more close, uh, closely related to the American system where they're done 18? Well, I would consider my ex level of expertise in uh, Canadian education, very minimal <laughs> um, with just a couple of trips there. But yeah, it is fascinating to kind of think about that. And I, I think they're, they're similar, mostly similar to the system that we have. Right. Okay. And you've got, you've got grade school similar to what, what we do. Then, you know, a middle school, which can be, you know, six to nine or six to eight, and then high school. Yeah. Um, so very similar, I think, in, in that approach more than anything. But you do have publicly funded colleges, you know, so everybody, I feel like it's more accessible um, to attend college um, or university in, in Canada. So, like, I, I, somebody was telling me the stats, and I can't even remember because they just blew my mind so much. Just the university that's there in Toronto, which is publicly funded. I mean, just the number of students that they had there was like a ridiculous amount. Yeah. But at the same time, I, it, it was like, yes, good, people are going and get to have that experience. Mm-hmm. And how do we, cre- I mean, it was like, how do we create in our country more accessible, higher learning opportunities? But, you know, I think it's, it's similar to our system for, in most ways. Okay. Right? So, um, but then, you, you know, different political structure and, and yeah. some of those things. And I tell everybody there, it's like... I feel really bad when I, I go to Canada because I don't really know enough about it. And, and here I'm like, I, I kind of feel bad and guilty in a way because I'm like, 
I should know more about Canada and the system that they have. And, and a lot of people here, and I had this discussion with my wife just the other day too, is like, a lot of people here just assume it's just like the U.S., but it's north. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's really not. It's no, not really not. It's very different. And, and, you know, it's different cultures, and it, it was established in a different way, a different political structure, and kind of a different set of values and beliefs. You know, some things are similar, but it, it is it is very different. And I think we do ourselves a favor, just like you're saying, is to get, get outside of our schools, um, our districts, outside of our state, outside of our country, I learned more about how education operates in those areas. And that that taking all of those great things that they're doing, I think would help shape a better a better philosophy for education. You know, go take all of those great things that are happening everywhere and say, how does that how does that fit into our culture? How does that fit into our values? How does it fit into what we're doing and what we believe? And how can we leverage that? Yeah. Well, it's good to see the commonalities and also you know, the, the differences and what they're doing well versus what we're doing well. I mean, it, it, you know, it's not just an American thing. It's, it's global. Everyone has their, their country of origin. They, they think whatever they think about it, you know, whether it's the greatest country or, you know, a little bit lower on the scale, but they get trapped in the mindset of this is my country. This is how we, how we do things. And they forget that there's a completely different way of doing it you know, less than, you know, 12 hours drive north of Canada. It's going to say Canadian. Canada. Canada. Yeah. Um, and then like, you know, 12 hours south is Mexico. I mean, the, the completely different systems of education, but also completely different styles of culture. And even within those countries, completely different styles of culture, like especially in Canada. I mean, I get fascinated uh, reading articles about the remote parts of Canada and their educational processes. I mean, there was an article I was reading about six months ago about uh, remote, um, mostly native populations getting the internet for the first time and how that changed their school system and how that changed their perception of the larger world that they're in. Because if you're, you know, a 12 hour drive from the nearest internet, you know, computer, enabled computer, then you're not going to be able to have all those opportunities that we have, in a, you know, in a, a city where we have internet readily available in every house. And so, I mean, it's, it's so fascinating to see those differences and how people have engaged differently and what it's done to not only the school population of students and the teachers, but also to the larger population in the city and how it's changed them as well. Yeah, and what a, what a fascinating thing to think about because there are so many remote areas throughout all of the world, but yeah. one thing that they are still doing is educating. Yeah. And to some degree with a different set of tools, different set of challenges. And interesting to introduce internet into like those remote areas. And it wasn't like the, our introduction to internet, yeah. which was this gradual introduction yeah. of dial-up, dial right? Um, dial-up and waiting and patience. And we've seen and kind of grown up and had seen the evolution of it. So it's kind of been a more natural progression for us. But just think about that instant access already it's almost yeah. like i mean just a magical especially high thing. speed yeah high speed it's like hey just click this button and you've got the answer think about what that has to do and maybe that's that's to the detriment of our educational progression in our system is that it's been a gradual thing but would just like the introduction of high speed internet in a remote area like that would that create enough of a shift in a wave to say we got to change we're going to change now we got to change fast or is it or is it like what is this magic and yeah. We, you know, we do that. I don't know. I mean, I don't know enough about those remote areas or any well, of those situations, but I can see all different types of thinking. But there's an interesting parallel there between 
you know, going, getting the internet for the first time in a community that hasn't ever had internet and how that changes the school board or school system to a school getting a brand new piece of tech that they've never had before. And how do you integrate it? How do you build with it? How do you do something different? Whether it be like something exotic, like 3D printers or a CNC machine or even like a virtual reality or um, augmented reality system to something as simple as, well, I say simple, but it's not really that simple, but like something like Chromebooks yeah. or iPads. Um, how does that integrate and change the school culture? And is it over, should it be overnight? Should it be immediately? Or should it be something that we try out and work out the kinks and slowly roll out over a period of time? I'd say yes, right? <laughs> to all of that. And, you know, it, it depends on a lot of things, right? And, you know, you're talking like one-to-one. Yeah. You know, in your, in your school, you've recently gone one-to-one. And I think there's a lot to consider there, right? So well, let's try and break that down a little bit. Right? So you introduce one-to-one, you know, throwing Chromebooks at every student, which is kind of like giving everybody access to the Internet, kind of like those remote areas, like you're saying. Um, there's that similarity. Um, how, how has that been? Let's, let's start there. How, is, how has that been, in your, your opinion? And this is me being totally honest, and I've, I've said the same thing to admins in my district and teachers in my district and things like that. I think it's gone really well. I think that students have reacted well to it. They've been able to really work with the technology in interesting ways. I ha- I've had less students focusing on like video games and things like that. Like you see it in the halls, like when they're on their free time, you know, you, I obviously see Fortnite out there and things like that. I mean, kids are gonna play games um, and we don't have stuff like that blocked in, in our district, but well, some of it, but not all of it. Um, but a lot of the worries that I think a lot of teachers have about computers coming into the school fully, especially take-home laptops or iPads, kind of go by the wayside really quickly. I mean, students are, a lot of them are smart enough to recognize that it's a tool, let's use it the appropriate way. And that's really been heartening for me. Um, it's also been interesting to see how many teachers choose to, to use it and then how many ch- teachers choose to set it aside for a day. Like me personally, like I, I have days where I just go, Okay, we'll do bell work on it, like through Google Classroom or whatever I'm using in the classroom. Um, and then put away, guys, we're done. And there's actually sometimes a sense of relief from students. They're like, let's, it's cool, let's, let's put the technology away. Let's talk to each other. Let's, let's engage in a different way. And so I think for me, one of the, like, it's been really good, like the integration and working with the, the teachers and the admins and things like that to get it done. Um, and into the students' hands. But the bigger thing is, is it's been really enlightening for me to see how they've engaged differently with it and how this, this generation we would assume are digital natives are actually more digital immigrants, closer to digital immigrants than anything else. So, I don't know. No, I think that's really interesting. If I ever extract really like that, that first tip, you know, if your school's going one-to-one, is that it doesn't have to be all tech all the time, no. right? And that there, there's kind of a balance, and I think that's still important for the students to remember. But then it helps the teacher not to feel overwhelmed and feel like yeah. they've got to use it nonstop. Don't just put it on the shelf. Don't 100% bring it out all the time. Yeah. But use it where appropriate, where it makes sense. Yeah. Right? If you're forcing it either way, I think that's the detriment of the student learning. Exactly. Like, figure out what works for you mm-hmm. and how that works with the students. And... You gotta be a little innovative. You gotta you gotta really present the ideas. I mean, it, it's easy, especially with like the tools that we have through like Canvas or Google or um, any number of things, 
to really just set it up as a digital worksheet and say, okay, kids, read the story, answer the questions, kind of like we used to do with books, um, which isn't a great way to learn. It doesn't teach what we would like them to teach or to learn. Um, it's easy to do that, but if you're able to take the technology and really think about how it can be used and then take a step back and go, hmm, I could still do that with paper. It's okay to do that. Mm -hmm. I think you got to figure out your own delineation lines as a teacher, and that's really a, an important thing to work with. Right. Well, well, where where did so I, I consider you kind of like on on one end of the spectrum, right? More innovative. Thank you. Right. Um, you're welcome. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're more innovative, innovative, and you, you think more critically. I think about how it's used, mm -hmm. but there are teachers that don't. Yeah. Right. So what's what's your observation for those teachers? For teachers that and I think part of the reason why, you know, I might be more innovative than anybody else is that I do think critically about everything I'm doing. Like you said, like I'm really thinking, is this working? Is it not working? How can I make this better? How can I engage them differently? Plus, I know the limitations of the technology that we're using as well. Like one of the biggest uh, setbacks that I've seen with teachers one to one in my area is recognizing the limitations of the Chromebook itself. Mm -hmm. Like what apps we can use versus which ones we can't, which like the the one that I really wish we had right now. And um, I know what you're gonna say. Oh, Sphero? Oh no, no. Okay, there are probably several you're gonna say. There's several, <laughs> yeah. The one I'm thinking of is I wish Google had a video editor. Mm -hmm. I mean, if anybody from Google is listening, get on that. Like, create a digital, like a online-based video editor, and you would it would be so right. helpful for us as educators mm -hmm. um, to make PSAs and films and things like that. Um, and that's just a limitation of the technology that we're working with. I know there's things like WeVideo, but if we can't access that in our district, then we're up a creek. And so it's recognizing those limitations as well. Um, the big thing, though, is like really thinking about when when is the best time to use this and when can I take a break and do something that forces conversation discussion rather than technology-based learning? And that's a really, it's a hard line to work with. Well, you, you talk about it. There are tools, you know, that can open the door. I mean, some students aren't comfortable having the discussion, but they might have keyboard courage to type out a response. Exactly. Right? So, I mean, you can, you can leverage that if you understand your students. Yeah. And you can hear some new voices that you've never heard before, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's a, a cool opportunity. You know, what what have been, besides really, you know, understanding the limitations of the technology and the apps, what other challenges or what would you change, say, if you had complete control of rolling out one-to-one -one in a school, what would you do differently than looking back? Um... I think my biggest thing is I would have rolled back a little bit on how much training I did with teachers. I feel like personally I overwhelmed a few teachers with stuff. Well, do you feel like that was the nature of the timing when they were getting devices versus versus it was too much too fast regardless of the timing? I think it was too much too fast regardless of the timing. I think there's there's you know, when you're working with teachers and this isn't just at my school, I think every every school faces this. When you're working with teachers who maybe are not necessarily scared of technology, but just don't have a working knowledge. Maybe of apprehensive. Apprehensive, yeah. Or that they just don't have a working knowledge of how to operate a Chromebook. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just, you know, there are, there are teachers in their 50s, 60s, maybe even their 40s or 30s that have never held one of those in their hands and they've never used one. That's a big leap for them. And they have this assumption, a lot of teachers have this assumption that the students will natively adopt a Chromebook or an iPad 
reality is that they won't. And so that's been a big, big challenge right there is how do you get the teachers to recognize their skill, like their own personal skill in the technology, but also how do we encourage them to recognize the, the student's skill as well? And that's been really hard for them to kind of operate with. Um, but also just, you know, there's so much you can do with technology and I get excited. Like I just like, or just like in training period, like there's so many cool ideas out there and I just want to share all of them. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just a share. I want to like, I, I don't care about like making money off of copyrights and things like that or like lesson plans. Um, I want to share it with teachers so that they can engage and do stuff that's really cool. Um, but there's a point where you have to go, mm, that was a lot. Maybe I just need to step back and say, try that stuff first. Let's set back for a month, and then we'll come back at it later. Well, see, you're making me think, too, because there's a wide range of people's familiarity, their yep. skills, their comfort, right, um, with new technology. And if you're going one-to-one, really, what's the appropriate time to start training before those devices hit, right? Yeah. You know, well, if if people have never touched a Chromebook, should should you try and start training a year in advance? I, I, mean, I think, that like, at least six months. Like, honestly, like, I think it would have really helped... A lot of teachers that not in just in my district where we're going one to one, but also di- teachers that I've talked to who have gone one to one previously or going one to one right now, they're the windingness of like starting out by like having a Chrome cart in the, the classroom that the students can use, and it's not checked out to them. If you're going to go check out for a year, like just have them in the classroom, let the teachers figure out how to use them, talk to them, have those empathy interviews, design think it, those sorts of things. But then on top of that, also offer trainings on how to use the technology. Give the Chromebook to the actual teacher, check it out to him for, you know, at least two or three months before it's going to go out to, to show the student or show the teacher these are the features that you need to know so you can work with it. I mean, just a simple thing like um, on a Chromebook, you have that button that shows all the windows. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just at the top. I mean, just knowing that that button exists for you as a teacher to go press on a student laptop and see what they've got up. Mm-hmm. So you can be like, oh, you're playing video games or oh, that doesn't look appropriate. You're not on task. Close it. Right. Um, that's a big thing that a lot of teachers don't know about. And it'd be super helpful for them to understand on the baseline. I think you, you bring up an, another thing that I think makes teachers apprehensive is the classroom management side yeah, oh, yeah. of technology, right? And I working in different roles, one of the things that teachers ask for is like, I want to know what's on their screen at all times. And, and I always thought this was a, an interesting comment, you know, because they wanted some application, they could sit at their computer and, and see what they were doing. And I, I was more like, well, why can't you just be up and working and engaging okay. with the students, which is probably the best, most active, proactive and effective approach you can take with that, right? Well, so why, it's, why aren't it's, you asking a bigger question, which is not what, how can I see all my students' laptop screens when they're doing an activity? Mm-hmm. Why aren't you planning an activity where the students don't want to look at their laptop screens? Yeah, so reframe that situation, yeah. right? So how do I get them so engaged into what they're doing that they're not going to think about really doing much of anything exactly. else? Right? So using the technology to your advantage and saying, hey, they get to use this. They can create something they're creating in ways that, that they enjoy creating then we're probably not going to have that problem a whole lot. Exactly. And like kind of working through that idea and just going, how can I make my, my classroom exciting to the point where kids don't care about X video game or miss, as instant messaging their friends or, or doing something completely oddball on their computer? That's, that's the dream. And I think that's that's really what teachers should strive for. Is the, and our, a lot of them are striving for is how do I engage my students in the best ways possible? Well, and I think that you, you, a lot of those teachers overlook too is that your students can be a resource, 
Um, if they're they're probably in some situations probably more more adept at using mm-hmm. um, the technology. So you're not going to know everything there is to know, but leverage what your students know. Yeah. Um, and don't be afraid to ask them for help. Right. That goes back to the whole. Um, be the source, not the resource. Did I get that right? Be the resource, not the source. The resource, not the source. Yeah, I Thanks should, have thought, should, should have thought about that for a minute. But 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 that's a really good way to think about it. Because when you introduce technology into the classroom and they all have a Chromebook in front of you, now they have access to all of the information that you're accustomed to delivering and providing for them, right? Yeah. And so there's got to be that shift, and that's hard to let go because that that could probably be. Like you feel like you're giving up control, and then if you feel like you're giving up control, then they're not going to be on task, and they're not going to be productive. But I don't know that there's anything wrong with students taking control of their learning. I don't. There isn't. And I think that's kind of a misconception: is that if I give them this tool, I lose control yeah. of their learning. But really, them taking control of their own learning can create a better experience and open doors for them that you wouldn't normally think about. I mean, I just did this big thing with, with film where they had to integrate a Ted talk and they had to film themselves and they had to do voiceover and they had to add pictures and archival footage and everything into a single video to talk about a, a subject that they really care about based on the United Nations sustainable development goals, huge project. And I kept explaining it to teachers like, you know, the, the helper teachers and things like that in the school that do study hall and stuff like that. And each time I they go, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then they start going, like, glazed. Because they'll be like, oh, how I do... Yeah. I don't know how to do this. And I'm like, well, neither do I. I know, how, I know how to do the components. But guess what? A lot of the students come to me and they're like, how do I do this? I'm like, oh, I, this is the way I do it. You're welcome to try out something else. And they're like, I can? Mm-hmm. Like, I can, I can do something different than what you've planned? And I'm like, sure. Does it still meet the, the expectations here? Mm-hmm. Do you still have the, the requirements in there? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like... Go at it. You want to make your voice sound like the Terminator? Sure. Fine. I don't care. Yeah. Like, have some fun with it and do something different if you want, if you can and you want to. And that's just a matter of me stepping aside and saying, you know, take control of your own education rather than me being in charge of it. Well, and that students are so used to um, a lot of the time is just going, just give me the steps. I'll yeah. check it off my list. And they don't have really that creative freedom to go create something that they enjoy creating. Yeah. Right? Well, and that goes to design thinking. Mm-hmm. Can you? Are you going to fail at this? Well, good actually. Like you're you're going to learn something from that failure, and it's maybe not going to sound great, but cool. That's fine. I mean, I had to teach myself how to do green screen in like 15 minutes so I could help a student out with something, and I did it. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, and that's my technology savvy. But now I have that skill that I can pass on to my students and other teachers, and. It's just a matter of being open to the challenge and seeing if you can figure it out. Yeah, so if you're thinking about really kind of the whole course of one-to-one, based on what you've told me, is that really get the technology in the teacher's hands. Yes. And start to just kind of understand it and talk about it well before you get the devices in the student's yeah. hands, right? Agreed. Because I think that that's, I mean, integrated really into everything that you do in every discussion you have. When you're talking like PLCs, mm-hmm. you know, before you've rolled out devices, you can start to say, oh, how could we use the Chromebooks when we get them? you know, to use this, you know, to do this lesson or create this. So I, I really think through that process, you, you said kind of time frame, at least six months. I mean, wouldn't doing that by the time those Chromebooks got there, even those teachers that were apprehensive, at least get some of them thinking, I can't wait to get the Chromebooks to try some yeah. of these things. Rather than they get there, they're overwhelmed and they kind of shut down. Well, they can start saying how it would actually help them to be a more productive leader, mm-hmm. more productive teacher. Right. And they're probably transitioning into a more comfortable pace. Exactly. Then just saying, hey, guess what? Next week, you know, you don't want to overwhelm them with that. Yeah. So the idea is to support teachers.
So some training, definitely up front. Leverage your students and their ability. Don't be afraid to learn and try something new. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to fail. And it will. Right. You're, like, you're going to have challenges and you're going to face teacher like you know lashing out and you're going to face student lash out. You're going to face all sorts of things. But know that you know technology is it can be helpful if you plan it out and you are trying like if you have good motivations for it. Right. And, and then what you said at the beginning of the episode, really that balance, not always technology, yeah. step away from technology, use it when it makes sense. Yeah. Right. Um, or you want to try something new. So a lot of great tips. And, you you know, if your school is going one to one or maybe you're part of, you know, helping design the plan of going one to one. Um, Make sure you, you think about these things. Yeah. Think about it. Or, you know, maybe your school is going one to one and they don't have any formal training. You know, it's coming. Yeah. You know, you can do it on your own personal level. What am I going to do to prepare myself? Yeah. And reach out. I think the biggest tip that I got before I, I actually did this. Oh, here it comes. Should I do a drum roll? Yeah. <laughs> um, was talking to other teachers that, or other districts and other teachers from across the country that have done it already. Yeah. Go talk to them and see what the problems they face. I mean, I spent a lot of time with a couple of people from Colorado, with some people from Chicago, talking about their experiences uh, as district people dealing with one-to-one and what they wish they would have known on a teacher level. And it did change my perceptions of what we needed. And that's where I got the ideas of like, let's focus on non-technologically based uh, lesson planning that rather than only technology based and things like that, because that's what they face with their teachers. And I think it's, it's, it's a, again, going back to what we started out with, the commonalities are, are happening all across education. We just got to look for them. Yeah. Uh, absolutely awesome advice I think to end on is go understand just what's going on one-to-one and how it applies to your situation and that's probably you're setting yourself up to succeed right there agreed so well another great discussion on one-to-one yeah Um, and uh, another episode in the the book still at Q Henderson still at Q Henderson on Twitter and I'm at Teacher Winners come check us out if you need to talk about one-to-one let us know yeah reach out anytime send us a DM or something like that we'll talk yeah yeah. if we can't answer your question maybe we can uh, put you in touch with someone who can exactly so thanks guys until next time see you later